In honor of God's word, please remain standing and join me in the reading of Job chapter 2. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard all of this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. Thank you. Well, good morning, and I give my own happy uh, Mother's Day to all of you here that are mothers. Um, going through the book of Job, it's perfect for you, isn't it? <laughs> If you didn't get one of our books of Job on the way in, uh, this is a part of our service which is very important. This is where God speaks to us. And uh, if on your way out, if you didn't get one, please bring that each week as we go through the book of Job. Would you pray with me as we ask for God's help? Lord, as we've just heard your word and we're standing because when you speak, it's that real. This isn't an old book that's a legend about a guy that went through hard stuff. You speak to us. Lord, would you help us to receive your words? Help me, Lord, not to do anything but restate the story of what Job went to and help us, even in this story as we suffer, to see the suffering of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, with your Bibles open, please be seated. Job's health is attacked. Job 1, he lost everything. We thought, lost his kids, lost his career. But in Job 2, the catastrophe will now cascade into his very body. 
And I wonder if you've ever thought about how much we as Americans, if you are an American, value healthcare. Do you realize that 17% of our GDP, 17% is healthcare? That's huge. That's $4.3 trillion. And by the way, I've been a nurse for 31 years, and I just want to say thank you. I wouldn't have a job if you didn't value health care. But I wonder even today, how many of you took a medicine? You don't, no, you don't have to raise your hands. Or a supplement. Uh, today, I knew someone had gone through COVID, and I was a little keeping my distance, but then I shook his hand. But think of COVID, what we've gone through. We have a $12 million workforce in America, and for skin care, which is really where the suffering came with Job, it's a $17 billion industry. Even in the last two weeks, I went and saw a dermatologist because my father has dealt with skin cancer, and that was valuable. We spend more on our health in America than any other developed country, and this helps us to lean in when God says these words. Have you considered my servant Job? Think about the difficulty that Job went through from Job chapter 1 to chapter 2 where it got worse. And it makes me think about the sixth chapter in The Hobbit. It's got the title, Out of the Frying Pan and Into the Fire. The adventure in that story gets tense and things go from bad to worse, and the same could be said about Job chapter 2. It also reminds me of Shakespeare's Hamlet. Claudius has this great phrase, when sorrows come, they come not single spies, but in battalions. We would say it this way, bad things often come in bunches, or if you can say the uh, ending of this statement, when it rains, let me hear you say that just to know that you understand that sometimes it's not just a single difficulty, but bad things come in bunches, and oftentimes when it rains, all right, you've been there. Personal disclaimer. As a nurse, I've kept this book, especially this chapter, at arm's distance for a long time. I, like some of you in healthcare, live all the time. I live in the horror of a hospital experience. Even this last week, I was visiting a patient, and if you've known someone who has something called neurofibromatosis, it's one of the most disfiguring um, things. I would never uh, want my worst enemy to have this. And the man died this week. If you've ever seen the old movie, uh, The Elephant Man, it's when your entire body becomes deformed. When I rounded on this man, even though I've seen human health at its worst, it's, it hurt to see a fellow human being suffering. And I went back to my office, I put my hands in my face, and I thought to myself, how much longer can I do this? Was it difficult to see a human being's health suffering? Even though I've kept this book at arm's length, God speaks to us through this book. And boy, does he have some words for us today. It's a challenging book. We've encouraged you, if you're part of the church family, to read the book. There's two options for reading through it. It's not snacky food. It's the kind of poetic food that you need to chew slowly. And you need to allow God to push on parts of your heart that you've not allowed to be addressed.
The title for today is actually Good News. The good news that we see is there's actually something better than health. The title for today is Integrity is Better Than Health. And we're going to look how God shows up to be a healer in three ways. Number one, integrity is better than health as you endure sickness. If you're right now going through something or you know a loved one who is enduring sickness, integrity is better than health. Let's watch as the curtain rises in the heavenly court and enter at verse three. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast, circle this word, his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Notice when God is speaking, he is labeled the Lord. That's a very personal, covenantal, relational name. And Satan, or the Satan, the accuser, is there who is resisting relationships. He's trying to make separation and disintegration happen wherever he goes. So God says to this Satan, this accuser, have you considered my servant Job? Because he holds fast to his integrity, and we should slow down and define that word. Integrity. It means a wholeness in relationships. Relationships are complete. They're intact. I think of a bridge. I don't want to take a heavy car with my family across a bridge. But if you look at a bridge, structural engineers take a lot of time to make sure that the bridge has integrity. It has sorts of things built into it so that it will not collapse under weight. The opposite of integrity is a reality collapse. Just get along with somebody and you find out that they were lying to you or they're pretending to be what they're not and watch what happens to your relationship. Reality collapse moves to relationship collapse and it's not a good thing because personal integrity is a one-to-one relationship between your interior motives and your exterior behavior. There's a wholeness to your life without hypocrisy. You're straightforward rather than sideways and insincere. Relational wholeness with God and others and creation and yourself is what integrity is all about. And look at verse four. Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, all that a man has, he will give for his life. So Satan doesn't want to hear all this talk about integrity. He wants to be an accuser and he wants to go right after the health of Job. But what does that interesting phrase, skin for skin, mean? Job's integrity, Satan is saying, is based on his incentives for that health insurance that he has. All right, he lost his kids. He lost his, all of his career. He lost all of his status. He was considered in Job chapter 1 the greatest man in the East, He would have been considered a king, having his own city, if you will. But Satan says his integrity will disintegrate once you go after his health. And think again about your life. How much do we value our health? Our health is very important to us. Satan is saying this. He has health insurance 
which promises to protect him from any future loss. His righteousness is not real. Job is religious to receive rewards. And let me slow down and ask that to you and me. Are we in this thing called Christian discipleship because of the rewards? Satan's saying, listen, God, it's what he gets from you, not you. You remove your protection and provision related to his health, and you'll see if he pays you any positive attention anymore. He's a gold digger. Give him a disease, he'll divorce you. Watch. You understand this. You personally understand this, don't you? Have you ever had a person enter into a relationship with you, a friend you thought, a coworker, maybe a person who comes to church, but they stay in the relationship for the benefits? All of us know that this is not the way it's supposed to be. When a person doesn't get what they want and they leave, we call that a lack of integrity, and it's personal. So Satan says in verse 5, stretch out your hand, touch his bone and his flesh. He will curse you to your face. I had a teacher in seminary named Dr. Richard Belcher. He wrote a very good commentary, and he says it this way. What does touch his bone and flesh mean? Satan saying, God, you have not yet touched Job where it really hurts. Verse 6. What does the Lord say to Satan? Behold, he's in your hand. Only spare his life. God is going to permit and limit. Remember who is in control. Verse 7, does Satan waste any time? Not at all. Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Hebrew, it's just a single word. If you were to look at Job after Satan went to him, it was like a big burning sore. Now, you can ask my wife, if I have a littlest problem, I feel like my whole life is completely over. Imagine, though, being struck with this. Complete covering. Tip of his head, tip of his toes. Job has integrity, and he's enduring suffering. But secondly, integrity is better than health as you refuse shortcuts. I feel for everyone in this room right now, living in America with health being such a value, such an idol at times, it's a contested space, meaning everybody's trying to get your attention. Everybody's screaming for it. Buy the beauty cream. I work with majority women. When they come to the nurse's station, they are all talking about their cosmetics. They're talking about beauty. Everything is about how can they make sure that they don't age any faster, and it's expensive. Get this pill. Do this workout. Avoid that, f- that food. I mean, you can look at our culture when you buy a Peloton or you get involved with SoulCycle. Did you realize that SoulCycle, by the way, realizes that people are so desperate for health, but they don't have community? You can now give SoulCycle $30 and have a community group. Health matters because we think in America, health insurance or the manufactured health that we put into things, whether it's CrossFit or yoga or diets, I can make sure that I can protect myself from future loss. But let me tell you, as a 53-year-old man, your body will betray you because your body will work until it doesn't. 
Now, I'm saying this to you as someone that wants to run a marathon this year. I try to take care of my body. And I'm saying this to you, if you're involved with CrossFit or you have a Peloton or you're in SoulCycle or if you go to the YMCA, this is not bad. But I'm telling you that this is a contested space where this stuff sells. If you get your health, you can protect yourself from future loss. Why do you need a savior? Often our supplements or our fad diets or our I'm going to run the marathon are a shortcut to cut out Jesus Christ. Now, what does Job do and where does he go? Does he take a shortcut? First of all, let's see where he goes. Verse 8, he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Now, in that culture, where do you sit in the ashes? Imagine, if you will, a big garbage dump, because that's where you brought the ashes. What are ashes? They're the leftovers, the total destruction, devastation, the disintegration in the city needs to be brought out of the city. And not to be crass, that's also where you brought all your human waste. Job is sitting like a big sore on a pile of human waste. Imagine being there. Would you take a shortcut? He's outside the city. The Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Hebrew, and they actually add those words. In the Hebrew, it doesn't say it was outside the city, but this is where the ashes were. This is where the unclean went and the unwanted and the outcast. But what was he doing? He's scraping himself. Ugh. Some people think maybe it was just so gross that it was, you know, when he used his hands. I often round on patients, and a lot of them have a back scratcher. Because when you're sick, the last thing you want is not to be able to relieve the itch. Have you ever had a skin condition? Because the Bible is raw like this. It's not just, oh, this man suffered, look to Jesus. The man had a really bad skin condition. He itched, it burned, he had scabs, there was a wound. Did you know that your skin is your largest organ? It keeps your insides in and your outsides out. It cushions the blows you receive in life, and it gifts you with pleasures of warmth and pain. Our skin really gives you the feeling of being fully alive. And he didn't have this. Every nurse, if you get admitted to a hospital, has to do a skin integrity assessment. Did you know that? It's actually called that. Skin integrity, because the integrity and the health of the skin on the body is very important. And let's look, if you're reading through the book of Job, I'll give you a summary of where we see his health. In chapter 30, verse 17, Job says, the night racks my bones and the pain gnaws me. And it takes, the, the pain that gnaws me takes no rest. In chapter 19, verse 20, I'm losing weight. In chapter 30, Verse 30, he says something very interesting. I've got a fever. Have you ever had a fever? You know how you feel when you have a fever? It also says, interesting in chapter 30, verse 30, my skin's turning black. It's falling off of me. My bones are burning. And then in chapter 7, verse 14, he can't even sleep because he's having nightmares. Job is in pain. If you were in his condition, would you take a shortcut? 
Would you break your integrity to take a shortcut? Well, now arrives his wife. Verse 9. His wife said to him, do you still hold fast your, circle it, integrity? Curse God and die. His wife's his only emotional support who has left. The only surviving family member The Bible would call her the bone of his bones and the flesh of his flesh. But I do want you to imagine her on Mother's Day, and I think we need to enter into her pain. Imagine having 10 children who had all died. I can't imagine that. She lost her stuff, her status, her money, her kids. She's looking at her husband out on the trash heap thinking there's no wealth in our future and there's no health in him to be recovered. And does she have a companion? She says, Job, you emptied, you're emptied of your power, your privileges, your life, your health. She is expressing the soul of suffering. Job, husband, you cannot control what is happening to you. You're helpless And this terrifying impotence prompts me to remind you that the only thing you can control is just curse God and die. You're as good as dead. Get it over with. Here is where the coiled spring in the plot and the tension in this story is compressed and we're watching Job. What's he going to do? Will he choose his health over his integrity, does he, in fact, have ulterior motives? Look at verse 10. He said to her, and I think he said this to her tenderly, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. And he stops speaking at her and goes to we. We shall, re- shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job didn't sin with his lips. Wow. He loves his wife. He says, we, even though her words are another twist of the knife. And he says to her, you're not a fool. He says, you're talking like a foolish woman. And this is where we do need to remember, he did not degrade her by calling her a fool. He brings up the idea of wisdom. Uh, Dear, you're not discerning what's really going on. Job is wisdom literature. In your Bible, you have Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. It leads the pack on wisdom. What's wisdom? How to live well. The book of Job is not about knowing. I hope we all don't just read this and know about this story. It's about know how. He's saying, honey, you want to know how to live life when your health is absolutely irreversible. I hope we're leaning in. I hope all of us that spend so much on health and it's such a burden. We know how to suffer after we sin. But that's not the story of Job. He didn't sin. We know how to suffer sometimes to get the payoff of spiritual growth. I'm going through a tough thing because God's making me more spiritual. And by the way, we do suffer for spiritual growth, but that's not Job's story. We often do not know how to suffer when it's not for sin or growth. And how do you learn this? Wisdom. How do we suffer without taking a shortcut when we have intense, inexplicable suffering? Learn the wisdom of Job.
Dear wife, don't interpret the hard part for the whole picture of God. We have a saying when we train new nurses. They'll walk in a room and they'll go, oh no, there's a bed sore. And we go, whoa, 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 whoa. Do not focus on the fact that there is a sore. We have this saying, the hole, the sore, is not the whole. For instance, let's say you go into the hospital or you have a, a grandmother that goes in the hospital and she's got one of those terrible hospital bed sores. If you focus on the fact that she's got a sore, she will never heal. What if she's a diabetic? Her diet needs to change. What if her protein is low? The whole is not the whole. Same thing spiritually. Job is not going to take a shortcut. He's going to learn how to suffer wisely and well in the whole of life, even when his health disintegrates. Dear wife, we're going to take the good days from God and the bad days. Job's comfortable in his own skin because he has integrity. Dear wife, whether good or bad from God, we're going to worship God as God because God's, God has inherent worth. Worship is the calibration of our interpretation to take God as he actually is. And Thomas Burton says it best. If we love God for something less than himself, we cherish a desire that can fail us. We run the risk of hating him if we don't get what we hope for. Job's relationship with God isn't shredding at all in his suffering. It's getting tighter, stronger, deeper. So we've looked at integrity is better than health when we endure sickness and when we refuse shortcuts. But lastly, integrity is better than health as you sit and suffer alone. Cigna just came out with a study in 2021 that is shocking. And I hope you hear me when I say this. We as a new church plant need to understand the loneliness that is out there. They found out that 58% of Americans claim that they're lonely. I know we all have these wonderful cell phones that are supposed to connect us to the world. But when a cell phone's facial recognition lets you get in and connect, there's nothing like a human looking you in the face, especially when you hurt, and recognizing you. But not only are 58% of Americans lonely, the shock to me was this. 78% are between the ages of 18 and 24. We're starting to see some younger people come to our church. Last week, there were two couples that had just become married. There's an age group out there, and I don't understand it other than to say it's unhealthy to know that 78% are claiming loneliness. Some of you right now are trying to tunnel out of a really difficult problem, and you're feeling alone. You're down in the depths of a dimension of suffering. It's intense. It's inexplicable. inexplicable. It's got nothing to do for you doing something sinful, and it's got nothing to do because God's trying to make you a little bit better of a person spiritually. You feel utterly confused. You don't get it. You feel alone, and you have to go to this part of the story. And imagine Job. He's sitting with his broken body, scraping away his wounds with broken pottery. He's left for scrap on the outside of the city at the town dump. And he looks up. And what does he see? Verse 11. 
Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came, each from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the Namathite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and to comfort him. There he sat, socially isolated, outside the city in the dump, cut off, unclean. Imagine not being touched by anyone. Verse 12, when they saw him, from a distance, they did not recognize him. The scholars are mixed here. Half of them think, yeah, even though they had a plan to comfort them, comfort once they looked, they didn't want to recognize him. Remember, he was the greatest leader in the East. These would have been international leaders that took time to make an international business trip to check on Job. And when they looked out and realized, oh, he's a hot mess. Many people think they didn't want to recognize him for who he was as a human. The other half would say they recognized him, of course, even though he had this massive health problem. But it says here, they raised their voices and they wept. They tore their robes and they sprinkled dust on their heads towards heaven. What does that mean? We must interpret the scripture to know what it means. In that culture, when you sprinkle dust, you symbolized disintegration, ashes, decay. It was a symbol conveying, Job, you're as good as dead when we look at you. Look at verse 13. They sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. Now, you have to read the rest of the book to kind of see what's going on here. Though not said in this chapter, their lack of solidarity will spell out in the rest of the book. What do I mean? Though they came intentionally wanting to comfort Job, later they would betray him. How? Well, understand the old statement, sympathy is not empathy. If you're talking to somebody and they're going through a hard time and you're like, oh, that's really hard. Like you can even emotionally, ah. Did you know though that often distances you from someone when they're pouring out their difficult life, especially if they have a health crisis? Empathy means you know what it's like to lose your health. You know what it's like to say, I'm not sinning and I don't see growth and I don't know what you're up to, God, but you've been there. And a person can tell if you've suffered. Well, where's that in the scripture that they seem to be disconnected? Well, before I read Job 19, remember that the only thing harder than suffering is suffering alone. And even though they were there, they were not there because it says in Job 19, he has put my brothers far from me and those who knew me are wholly estranged from me. My relatives have failed me, My close friends have forgotten me. Why should you personally care about this book? How will you and I navigate the dark, deep waters of feeling utterly lonely as our own bodies betray us? Well, we have a resource in the suffering Son of God. God speaks to us softly and strongest through his son. Job, like Jesus who would come in history, 
defeats Satan, not apart from his suffering with his health, but in it. The book of Job foreshadows the love of Christ for you, who suffered alone in the Garden of Gethsemane. Sure, he had three friends nearby. Hey, guys, pray for me. What happened when he went to check on his friends? They were sleeping. How does this description sound? Is it Job or could it be Jesus? A man of impeccable integrity who did nothing wrong can still suffer immensely to fulfill the planned purposes of a good God. You are not alone. Jesus gets you. All the other religions have always been sort of surprised at our story. Religious leaders walk around, they spout out great little trite sayings for life and wisdom. Most of Jesus' time was spent healing sick people. Did you know that? Of course he was an amazing teacher, but most of his waking day was walking up to those whose health has betrayed them, and he entered into their pain, and he leaves them different than he found them. Jesus came... And when it came time to suffer for our sin, he refused to take a shortcut. His close friend betrays him. You can read about it in the book of John. It's terrible. They take Jesus out. What do they do to his skin? He gets whipped terribly. His skin disintegrates well before he would go to the cross. He will hang naked with his skin exposed, vulnerable. He will be pierced with pain, where? From the crown of his head all the way down to the nail in his feet. Jesus experienced disintegration, death, but by his suffering, he put an end to the possibility of eternal suffering because on that day, at a trash heap outside of Jerusalem. His heel would be bruised, but the head of Satan would be crushed. The accuser would be proven wrong. And one of my favorite, favorite promises from Jesus comes up in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 5. I'll never leave you or forsake you. If you go through a time where you have everything stripped and you still have God, you have everything. All is gift, even your health troubles. All is gift. So integrity, trusting in and being one with Christ is better than health. That's good news. And I want to end with a story about Eustace Scrub, who reminds me of all of us who don't like to struggle but also of Job and lastly of Jesus. Do you know the story? C.S. Lewis wrote all these stories trying to help us to think about and suppose what's really going on in Christianity. Eustace Scrub, he wanted stuff, and one day he happens upon a dragon's lair, and he walks in and he's like, oh my, and he puts on his arm like a bracelet, you know, a a nice expensive bracelet, and he goes to sleep, and he kind of likes the fact that he's alone and he's got all this stuff, but he wakes up. 
And what's interesting is he notices that now that he wakes up, even though he has stuff, his arm starts to hurt. His health starts to disintegrate. And he realizes that I need help. I can't fix what I thought was going to be the best situation, which is to be moved into a dragon where I could be above it all. And let me read the words to encourage us. He found that no matter how many layers of dragon skins he managed to peel off, he was still a dragon. And then comes up this lion, the Christ figure, with claws. That's pretty desperate now. I just lay flat down on my back to let him do it. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off. And there I was, smooth and soft as a peeled switch, but I was smaller than I had been. Then he caught hold of me. I didn't like that much, for I was very tender underneath, because now I'd have no skin on. And he threw me in the water. And it smarted like anything, but for a moment. After that, it became perfectly delicious. And as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found... And here's his words. All the pain was now gone from my arm. By submitting to this lion, his health began to reintegrate. And then I saw why. I turned into a boy again. This story reminds me of Job, but it really reminds me of Jesus. We are this week going to be vulnerable, but now we know how to be wise. I'm going to round again this week, and I'm going to see the horrors of the hospital and look at human beings who are disintegrating. But will this book that teaches us not to know, but to know how, give wisdom? Is integrity really better than health as we endure sickness? Can we refuse shortcuts? Can we sit in silence? We can, because we're not alone. Jesus Christ will never leave you or forsake you. Let's pray. Father, there are some that have read through the book of Job, and it's a lot of poetry, and some of it's hard to understand, but these two opening chapters are pretty clear. We have an innocent man whose suffering is inexplicable. Lord, as his health is lost, we are reminded that this is a big deal to us. This is one of our idols. We put a lot of time. Lord, we have friends and neighbors that will put a lot of time into their health. But Lord, now we're ready because you've spoken. I do ask God that you would help someone that's here today that's suffering physically. Nobody knows the pain, but you do. Would we be a church that visits the sick? Help us, Lord. Job suffered greatly. Your son suffered more. And we are so thankful for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.